How many of y'all have seen Dude Perfect? The trick shots or whatever? A handful of you? Okay. All right. Not, not enough of you. Well, they make trick shots. They make stupid, ridiculous trick shots. And there's one guy on the, on, on the video where when they make a shot, he goes, let's go, and he runs around like this, like he scores a goal or whatever. That's what I feel like this morning after singing that worship set. Let's go. Let's go. And I also feel that because what we just sang is what we're going to talk about right now. Wes hates it when I use this word because no one uses this word in everyday language. We're going to magnify Jesus. Magnify Jesus. I know we don't use that word, but it's a good word. It means we're going to take a magnifying glass and we're going to hold it up in front of our face and we're going to look at who the risen Jesus is. Let's go. Let's go. That's where we're going this morning. This is one of the best scripture passages in all of the Bible because it tells us, it tells you who your Savior is. That he is not dead in the grave. He is risen and reigning. You think you've got problems in your life. You do have problems in your life. I have problems in your life. Jesus said, you will have problems in this life, but take heart because I am bigger than your problems. I have overcome the world. I'm not dead in a grave. I'm alive and well. I am an ever-present help in your trouble. You can come to me and I will help you because I'm big. I'm so big, I'm so big, I'm going to blow your mind this morning how big I am, right? A.W. Tozer is an old dead guy. He said this about God. Like Most people don't care about old dead guys, but sometimes they say really good things that, that linger. You probably heard this quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our concept of who God is will shape how we live, how we belay, how we behave, whether we live free, like we said, as a son of God, the who the sun sets free is free indeed. Whether we live free or whether we live in bondage to sin and death and destruction, whether we allow Satan to accuse us and tell us that we stink as parents, that we stink as human beings, our concept of God shapes how we live. And so we're going to talk about God today. I'm excited. I'm sorry. They're like, Levi, you're too passionate. I know I'm normally passionate, but I'm really passionate about this morning because we're talking about the only issue in life that matters, who you say Jesus is. And this is what he said about himself. I'm not a red letter, red, red letter Bible guy, and you shouldn't be either. You say, oh, no. everything in the Bible, the red letters, that's what we care about. No, all of it's red. Jesus wrote and authored all of it. Every single part of the Bible, they're the words of Jesus. Doesn't matter who the guy running the pen was. Jesus said this about himself. There is no better passage to shape our thinking about who Jesus is than Colossians 1, 15 through 23. So I'm going to pray because we need the Holy Spirit's help here to really get the glimpse of the glory of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to read it together and we're going to go verse by verse just listing off who this big Jesus is. So let's pray. Lord God, on behalf of Christ, your Son, would you empower us through your Holy Spirit to see and savor Jesus this morning? As we think about who Jesus is, would you captivate us this morning with his glory? Would you renew our hearts and minds with your truth? Search our hearts, Lord. Search it out. Search us out. See if there's anything that 
that we're erring on. If there's anything wrong with our thinking about you or about your ways, I pray that you would correct that this morning, that we might reflect your glory to the world and we might find joy and satisfaction in doing so. Help us this morning, Lord. Amen. Let's go. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. Let's go. Colossians 1, 15 through 23 says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, read spirits, demons, angels, or authorities, read presidents, read kings. All things have been created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things, all, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the family of God. It's important. He is the beginning and the, and the firstborn among the dead. He's alive. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all. All his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you and I, once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but, it's a big but, We love the big butts of scripture. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You excited? You excited yet? I'm excited. I'm excited. Because as I've said, you've all got big problems. You've got a bigger Jesus. You've got a bigger God. We've all got broken relationships. We've all got financial struggles. We've got struggles with home and our health. We've got struggles with children and family, with work. Some of y'all struggle with depression. We've all got problems, but Jesus Christ not only cares about our struggles, he is bigger than our struggles, and he's alive. He is bigger than every issue we face. Jesus is a big God. How big? I'm glad you asked, because we're going to look at that right now. Here's what Jesus says about who he is. Verse 15a, he says, Jesus says, I am the image of the invisible God. Have you ever wondered what God would do in a certain situation that you're facing? What God the Father would do if he were in your shoes? Jesus reveals the answer to that question. Jesus is God in your shoes. He didn't just walk a mile in them. He lived 33 years in, with flesh on. He lived our lives. He experienced everything 
every emotion, everything that you experience, Jesus Christ experienced as God. And he did it perfectly. Jesus makes the invisible, unknowable, unseeable God known. You've heard it said, like father, like son. That's true of Jesus. Like father, like son. What's God like? Look to Jesus. John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus shows us who God is and what he's like in our language. Before Jesus, God's in Russian. After Jesus, he gets translated into English. We can know and understand who God is. We can know and understand who he is. This means if you want to know about God, if you want to know what your purpose is in life, Don't look to other philosophies. Don't study science. Don't study nature. Study Jesus. Read about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Learn about Jesus. He's the answer. He's the answer to the question that you have. We can know some things from nature, but we can't know what we need to know about God for salvation apart from Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. Don't look to Muhammad. Don't look to Gandhi. Don't look to Jordan Peterson or Morgan Freeman or Neil deGrasse Tyson, that fancy philosopher guy, physics guy. Don't look to a spirit guide or a psychic. Look to Jesus because he's it. You can say amen to that because it's true. He's the image of the invisible God. He is fully God. I'm jumping ahead to verse 19 because it fits. He's fully God. He's not just the reflection of God. He's not created in the image of God like you and I. We reflect who God is to a certain degree. We're creative because God is creative. We have an imagination because God has an imagination. We can work because God works. We reflect his image to a certain degree. Jesus doesn't just reflect the image of God. He is God, 100%. 100%. The fullness of God is pleased to dwell in Jesus. How much is fullness? All everything, lacking nothing. Fullness of God is pleased to dwell in Jesus. He is God. This means he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just another God among many. He's not just a leader. Jesus is God with flesh on. Sorry, Jehovah's Witnesses, you're wrong. Sorry, Mormons and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus, whoever you want to fill in, you're wrong. Jesus is 100% fully God. He said it, not me. These aren't my, don't shirt the messenger this morning. I'm the mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. These are Jesus's words. We need to believe it. We need to love it. We need to submit to it. He is the God who was and who is, which makes him first. Verse 15b He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, the word firstborn, as the Jehovah's Witness want to say, this does not mean that he is a created being, right? Firstborn can mean, I was born first. I'm one of four. I'm also a twin, and I was born first, which I like to lord over my siblings, right? I was here first, so you sleep on the bottom. I get this bed. I I was here first. So that's not what this means here. When it says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, it's not talking about a birth order. It's talking about rank and position. Rank and position. Jesus is first, as in he holds first rank. The position of firstborn in the Old Testament is not always given to the firstborn. As with Isaac and Ishmael, as with Jacob and Esau, it has to do with rank, 
with rights, with responsibility, with inheritance. And Jesus holds the firstborn position over all of creation, not just government, right? It's kind of like POTUS, like commander-in-chief. He holds first rank, but not just in government, not just with military, not just over your life. Over all of creation, Jesus is first. He was first. He's last. He's after the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's it. It's all for him and by him and through him. Jesus is the firstborn. He holds the position of first rank. He's the great numero uno, right? There is no one above him. There is no one before him. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning, the middle, the end, and after the end. This means that your life is not yours. It's not. It's Jesus's. It's about Jesus. It is for Jesus. This world, your business, your work, your family, your career, the politics, government, all of the created order is for Jesus and by Jesus. Why? Because he created it. He created it. Verse 16, Jesus is creator. He's creator. He made it, he owns it, and it is all for him. He made all of it. All of what? Everything. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then Jesus spoke and stuff got created. He just spoke. I love making stuff. I love working with wood and metal. I'm better with wood than I am metal. My brother would tell you that, but I I like creating stuff. It takes me work to make things. Jesus speaks and things are made. What kind of things? Stars. Do you know how many stars are in the universe? Do you know what a star is? It's crazy. Our sun is a star. Our sun is a star. You can see on the picture there, Earth is that size, and the sun, over a million of our Earths could fit into the sun. It is huge, huge. It is so huge, you would not even begin to able to comprehend it. You couldn't. I could because I'm a genius, right? <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it is huge. I'm sorry. I, I had to. It's huge. It is huge. It is so huge and powerful. How powerful is our sun? Crazy, crazy powerful. It has this process called fusion, nuclear fusion, not fission, fusion, where there's so much pressure because it's so big, gravity, pressure, stupid amounts of pressure and heat. How hot? 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Pressure, heat, force hydrogen atoms into helium atoms. They force together, they form something new, and energy is released. How much energy? This is mind-boggling. In one second, one one thousand. In one second, one one thousand. One second, the, the sun produces so much energy that it would fuel the entire world's energy needs. Think all our oil, all our gas, all our electricity, all our coal, all of our energy needs in the entire world. In one second, it makes enough energy to fuel the world for over 500 million years. When Jesus spoke and the stars went into the sky, suns, he created suns, not one of them. This is how many. Scientists estimate that he has created between five and 10 times Five and ten times more stars in the known universe, what we know, 
five to ten times more stars, suns, than there are grains of sand on all of the world's beaches. That is who Jesus is. He speaks and he makes suns, billions and trillions and sex, whatever millions, however big that number is. He creates by word. He is powerful. He made it. And because he made it, he owns it. And it's all for him. It's all for him. Church, do you live in light of this truth? Let's go. That's who our God is. That's who Jesus is. Why do you worry, loved ones, about your life? Why do you worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear? You serve and love and are known by a star maker. Man, that's awesome. He loves you. He loves you so much. He can and he will take care of you. He is creator, not created. And because of that, verse 17a, he is truth. He is before all things. Hear this. It's not Jesus should be before all things. He is He is before all things. That is his position in life and death, in your life, in your death, in the entire created universe. Jesus is before everything. It's for him and by him. What position does he hold in your life? Church, if we get this out of order, our lives will be out of order. Say hello to stress and depression and broken relationships and brokenness and heartache and anxiety and death and destruction. Jesus is before all things. He is before your spouse. He is before your bank account. He is before your happiness. He is before your happiness. He is before your children. He is before your career. This means that Jesus gets to tell you how to live your life because he made you, because he owns you, and he created you for him. If you accept this, you will receive salvation, and not just salvation, you will, re- you will live free. You will live secure. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You will live a joyous life. If you fight against it, you are gonna suffer. You will receive, you will receive the penalty and justice for rebellion. Your options, there are two. You can receive salvation by Jesus, or you can be subjugated to Jesus. Subjugated, forced to submit. You can choose to love him and receive salvation and live free in him, or you will be forced to submit to him one day. That's going to happen. One is free and willing and joy-filled, The other option places you out from under God's protection and in direct path of his wrath and justice. It seems like a no-brainer kind of, doesn't it? Choose Jesus. Choose salvation. Don't make him so force, force you to submit to him. Jesus is before all things, church. He is. He is preeminent, supreme, over and above everything, before, after. It's Jesus. He's it. 
Does he hold that position in your life? And I know not perfectly, and he died for that. So we say, okay, let's examine our lives. Lord, what, what am I holding before you? Clean that out. Reorient my life. Help me put you in your rightful position. I need help here. Examine my heart. Search me. See if there's any error in my thinking, in the way that I live, in the way that I behave. Fix me, Lord. The star maker, that's who you're praying to. He can fix you. <laughs> he can. He speaks and sons are made. He can fix you. Lord, help me get you in your proper place. Help me get you before all things in my life. When we get him before all things in our lives, and even if we don't, verse 17b, he holds all things together. If your marriage is falling apart, he's the glue. If your marriage is falling apart, you need Jesus before your marriage. If your relationships are fractured, Jesus is the only one that can bring them back into healing. If your world is falling apart, get with Jesus. Why? Because he holds all things together. He's the glue. If it's out of order, we fall apart. If we get it in order, he's the glue that holds it all together. And he's gracious enough, even when we got it out of order, that we're not completely thrown out to as bad as we could be. He's gracious but it will go better for you if you get Jesus, live with Jesus, keep him before all things in your life. Jesus can and does hold it all together. And he's the head of his church. Verse 18a, Jesus loves the church. He died for the church. He's in charge of the church. If you're a Christian, you are a part of his church, his family of believers. So be a part of it. Be a part of the church. It doesn't look like attending a service. It looks like you prioritizing relationships with believers. That means maybe making sacrifices to even good things to prioritize relationships with believers regularly. On a regular basis, you're coming together, being led into Jesus, being reminded of who Jesus is, being corrected if you're erring in behavior or belief about Jesus. Jesus is the head of his church. Not me, not Wes, not the elders. Jesus is in charge because it's his. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. In Hebrews, it's not red-lettered, but Jesus commands it. He says, do not neglect meeting together because you're a part of my church and I've saved you into my church. I've adopted you into my family. So live as a part of the family. We need each other. We need each other. He's the head of the church. And he can be the head of the church because, I love this, verse 18b, he can be the head of the church. Why? Because he's alive. This ought to be on every headline, every single day, on every single newspaper. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. Every other religion worships dead men or demons. You say, whoa, that's what the Bible says. Again, I'm the mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. These are Jesus' words. Every other religion worships dead men or demons. What are demons capable of? Not much. Fear, destruction, thievery, not much. They can steal, they can kill, they can destroy, but they're not capable of that much. Jesus is over them. He is over them. He's over them. Every other religion worships dead men or demons. What can dead people do? Not much. Not much. Muhammad, 
He's dead. Joseph Smith, he's dead. Gandhi, he's gone. We can go to every one of their tombs. Every single one of their tombs. We can go to them. You can't go to Jesus' tomb. Why? Because he didn't stay dead. Three days after he rose from the dead, three days after he rose from the dead, where's Jesus? He's having breakfast in Jerusalem. He's eating breakfast in Jerusalem. He's not dead. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's alive. And because of that, he is an ever-present help in your time of need. In your time of need. Can we pray? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I don't exactly know what that was about. <clears throat> Lord, I know there are rulers and authorities um, that they, they do have, have some power, but nothing in compared to Jesus Christ. And Father, they, they can't touch us because we're seated with you in the heavenlies. That's what you've said. We have authority, not because we're powerful, but because you're powerful and you love us. I pray, Lord, against whatever that was in the name of Jesus, that you'd help us, that you'd capture our hearts with the truth of your word. Help us, Lord. We love you. Uh, nine. Number nine. Jesus is reconciler. He's reconciler. Jesus reconciles you back to himself. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died our death so that we might share in his life. Jesus was made a curse so that you and I could receive a blessing. Jesus endured our poverty so that we might share in his abundance. Church, if your heart is broken, you need Jesus. If you have a broken relationship, you need Jesus. If you're a sinner and the Bible says that you and I both are, we need Jesus. We need him. He's the only one who can reconcile us back to himself. He's the only one who can heal our broken hearts, that can mend our broken relationships. He'll reconcile if you let him, but it's not automatic. You've got to repent and believe that he was who he claimed to be. Jesus is the great reconciler. And lastly, number 10, Jesus is our defender. He's our defender. When Satan, up in heaven, in the throne room of God, in the courtroom of heaven, there's a slick, good-looking, well-dressed lawyer up there, and he's mounting a case against you and I. And to be honest with you, it's kind of open and closed. The evidence, mm, it's not good. And Jesus is sitting as judge and king, and he's, sit, he's sitting there before the demons, before Satan, bringing the accusations, and he says, hey, Satan, can, can you hold on a second? He gets down off his throne. He gets off his throne. He takes off his robe. He puts on human, humanity. He puts on flesh. He trades his throne and glory for a crown of thorns, and he sits down in the electric chair meant for you and I. And he dies, but he doesn't stay dead. He raises to new life. He goes back up into the courtroom of heaven. He sits back down on the throne, ruling and he reigning, and he says, Satan, you were saying about, about Levi, you were saying what? 
Case closed. It's finished. It's finished. I took the penalty he deserves. It's finished. Open, shut, done. Don't you dare bring any more accusations against my son or my daughter because they are in me. And I lived the life they couldn't live so that even though they don't measure up, it doesn't matter what you say, your case is closed. You have nothing worth saying anymore. You have no accusation, no evidence that will stick. Case closed. Do demons and Satan have authority? No, they do not. Because Christ died for you and for me. I need to live in that daily. It's not just Satan that throws accusations. I condemn myself. I don't measure up. I don't feel worthy. Christ says, yes, you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Case closed. Case closed. Case closed. Who the son sets free is free indeed. Live in that church. When the fiery darts of the enemy come at you, silence them. God, you died for that. You send that arrow back to whoever shot it. Stick them with it. That's not on me. I'm not stuck with that because you died for me. You died for me. That's the truth. That's the truth. Now, for those of you who've grown up in church, I didn't say anything new this morning, but, but don't roll your eyes here. Right? When I come home from work, <clears throat> and, Jesus, and my wife says, hey, babe, I love you. I don't think, yeah, I know that. Tell me something new. No, I think, praise God, she still loves me. <laughs> She's still putting up with myself. Say it again. I need to hear that again. Tell me again. Tell me how much you love me. I got to hear that again. That's our attitude to the gospel. Tell me how much you love me. Tell me more about Jesus. Tell me what he did for me on the cross. Don't you ever, ever, ever get tired or bored with this message because it's all we've got. It's it. It's it. And it's good news. I love you. Tell me again. Tell me how much. Tell me how much I got to hear it again. Tell me what you did for me, Christ. Tell me what you did. Tell me, tell me, tell me that you told Satan, case closed. Tell me that's true. Remind me, help me believe it. Help me walk in it. Don't get tired of hearing the gospel message. Never get tired. Lord Jesus, help us not get bored with this message. We don't leave it. It's the way in. It's the way on. And to that end, I want to say a word about all of the religions. And I don't say this with hate or spite, or anger. I say this as a representative of Jesus Christ, as a loving doctor who gives a hard diagnosis. All roads do not lead to heaven. There is no salvation to be found from any other person than Jesus Christ. The Mormons are wrong. Islam is wrong. The Jehovah's Witness, wrong. Hindus, Buddhists, Christian scientists, wrong. Scientologists, really wrong. Really wrong. Rastafarians, whatever. Whatever you want. When they pray, they're not praying to Jesus. They're not praying to the God of the Bible. They're praying to some other spirit. So the Bible says they're wrong. They're wrong because they get Jesus so wrong. You say, Levi, that's, that's intolerant. That's insensitive. No, it's not. Jesus said he was God. You say, no, he didn't. And I would respectfully say, have you read your Bible? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Off the top of my head, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. It's talking about Jesus. I and the Father are one. John 14, Jesus said that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
When people came, they said, Jesus, who are you? He said, I am. As in Moses, when God was talking to Moses in the burning bush, I am. I am that God. I am God. They didn't kill Jesus because he ate with sinners. They didn't kill Jesus because he was a fiery teacher. They didn't kill Jesus because he helped homeless people. They killed Jesus because he claimed to be God. Christianity is the only religion that affirms this. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He said it, not me. Every other religion is wrong because they get Jesus wrong. Because they get Jesus wrong. He's not created. He is and was and will always be. He's a divine person contained in the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He's creator, not created. He's before all things. He holds all things together. Everything that was made and was and is is made for him and by him. He owns it. He loves it. He will judge it. He was not just a great man. He was the God man. Always was man. Always has. Always has been. Always will be. It means all religions are not the same. Christianity is the only one that, affirm, that affirms that everything that Jesus said about himself is 100% gospel truth. Some of you might think that's exclusive, and I would respectfully say, no, it's not. Because Jesus died for who? All. The offer of salvation is not exclusive. It doesn't matter what your faith is. Well, it does, but it doesn't matter where you're currently at. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white, rich or poor. Jesus died for you. The offer of salvation is ex- not exclusive. It is open to all. The way of salvation is exclusive. It's by Jesus that you can receive salvation. I can't choose it for you. But given our options, I think it's the best choice. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn in rank over all creation. Created, he created everything by speaking it into existence. He speaks, sons are born. He's the most powerful, most superior being in all of creation. And he gave it all up so that he might reconcile you back to himself. So that Satan and no one else could bring any accusation against you. He holds all things together and he will hold you and your family if you let him. He'll make you a son or a daughter, a child of the king if you place your faith in him and worship him alone. Church, Jesus is before all things. He is first, he is foremost. What position does he hold in your life? If it's not first, if he's not over your life, your life is out of order. Let's fix that. Let's fix that this morning. Let's pray. The band can come up and then we're going to take communion. Jesus, Wow. What can we say but wow, Lord? There is none like you. There will never be anyone like you. You are holy, holy, holy. You alone are worthy. You are good and righteous and powerful and loving and gracious. Thank you for being above all things. Thank you for holding all things together. Thank you for sustaining our lives, for giving us breath. Forgive us 
for the times we put other things and people before you. Reorient our lives, Lord. Hold us together. Reconcile us to you and to our brothers and sisters and spouses and family and friends and co-workers. Defend us against the accusations of the enemy and the accusations that we throw at ourselves. Renew our minds, Lord, by captivating us with your glory. Amen.